Specialty Story, session number 196. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I get to have amazing conversations with physicians about their specialty. And this week, as always, is no different. I'm speaking to Dr. Edward Togart, an interventional cardiologist who's been practicing for a few years, (laughs) a few years, and is also the fellowship director as well. And we're going to talk all about interventional cardiology, kind of the the impetus for it, where where it started, especially for Dr. Togart, and what he looks for in his applications, the applicants to his program, and and just what the future holds for interventional cardiology. We have a great discussion. We started off by talking about how Dr. Togart first became interested in interventional cardiology. It started in medical school. Uh, unfortunately, my father had a big MI when I was uh, second year med school. Um, obviously, it was pretty traumatic and um, kind of stuck with me. And as I went through medical school and internship and residency, um, cardiology just kind of kept my attention. You know, I kind of um, liked uh, the uh, available therapies for the kind of diseases that one sees in cardiology. I felt like it was a good opportunity to really uh, step in and change people's course, um, save lives and prevent morbidity. Um, as I uh, went through cardiology fellowship, I have to say that, uh, you know, I've been an interventional cardiologist for 35 years. So I did fellowship before there was an interventional cardiology board and interventional cardiology fellowships. And so I have learned along the way from originally from balloon angioplasty through stents and all the way up to structural heart disease now. Um, It's just been an amazing, amazing ride. You know, uh, all the advances that have come from cardiology in the last several decades, treatment of myocardial infarction, treatment of chronic angina, heart failure, and now structural heart disease with TAVR and mitral valve repair. Yeah, lots lots of fun things coming from the world of cardiology, specifically interventional cardiology that will hopefully trickle down to every everyone and every patient in the future who needs that. What are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions that you're constantly fighting amongst medical students and, and residents about interventional cardiology? Well, that's a really tough question. <laughs> um, I haven't run into that very often. I think uh, uh, the one thing that I do run into is people see it as an interesting you know, attractive subspecialty uh, until they hang around with us and see how hard we work. Uh, it's a 24-7 job. Uh, you know, it's fairly stressful. It's long days and uh, lots of night call and lots of acute uh, cardiology problems to deal with. 
Um, so it's very taxing. Yeah. And I think, I think it, uh, I think it scares people. I really do. No. Uh, how, how do we potentially fix that for the future to, to get more people interested? Is it just a matter of the more cardiologists you have, the more coverage there is and the less, the less someone's going to need to come in in the middle of the night. Cause we're going to have a, a quote unquote hospitalist cardiologist. Um, you know, um, it's really hard to say. I think it's one of those things where people are either passionate about or not. Mm. Um, you know, it sort of is what it is. There is no hiding uh, what's involved. Um, so I think uh, uh, it takes uh, a special person that has that kind of commitment and that kind of interest, um, almost a sort of a surgical bent, because mm. a lot of what we do is... Uh, is procedural. All of what we do is procedural as an interventional cardiologist. And more and more, uh, we're treating valvular heart disease, not only coronary artery disease. Yeah. As you were going through your medical training, uh, obviously with your, your father having a big cardiac event while you were in medical school, were there any other specialties going through medical school, your, your clinical years and, and during your internal medicine residency that, that almost pulled you away from cardiology? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, oncology, mm. hematology, oncology. Uh, that was another sort of exciting field. Um, I liked dealing with the patients. You know, they were uh, obviously very ill, um, uh, but very appreciative of anything you could do for them. So it was a very seemed to me to be a very sort of warm specialty. Um, uh, and a lot of good, positive interactions with, you know, sick people that maybe you can help and maybe you had to usher them through a very difficult time. Yeah. For someone listening to this who may not be knowledgeable about interventional cardiology, what sorts of patients are you treating some physiology, pathophysiology are you, are you taking care of? Um, up until the last several years, we would treat patients with coronary artery disease either chronic coronary artery disease with angina uh, and patients with acute coronary syndromes, such as uh, um, non-ST elevation MI and ST elevation MI. Um, a lot of, of the other things that we do um, uh, are diagnostic work for patients with other types of, uh, of heart disease, cardiomyopathy and valvular heart disease. Uh, over the last several years, um, there have been some amazing advances in technology that have allowed us to treat patients with aortic stenosis um, via catheter-based technology as opposed to surgical uh, intervention. Uh, and that is, that's a huge advance. It's incredibly satisfying. Um, patients have severe aortic stenosis and heart failure or severe limitations. And within about 10 seconds, you fix the valve and they get up out of bed in four to six hours, and they leave the hospital the next day. It's incredible. It's yeah. just incredible. That's that's uh, that's pretty amazing. As as you're taking care of patients, it, it sounds like interventional cardiology is is almost strictly a hospital based inpatient based specialty. Are, are there any community outpatient? Uh, interventional cardiologists out there working? Well, um, it's not only hospital-based. Uh, we have our own clinics. 
we, we have, uh, um, for example, with aortic stenosis and valvular heart disease, we have a structural heart team. Mm. So, um, and the interventional cardiologists man uh, the clinics uh, with other cardiologists, um, evaluate patients with uh, valvular heart disease. We also see patients pre and post uh, uh, coronary stent procedures. So there is, uh, you know, a fair amount of outpatient work as well. Okay. What does a typical day or a typical week look like for you? Well, uh, it sort of depends on the week because we take call uh, 24-7. So we go on call Wednesday night and we get off Wednesday night. Uh, so that is uh, emergency call um, any time of day or night for emergencies, usually acute heart attacks. Um, um, and we also take care of the patients that are in the hospital and the cardiology service who need to have a heart catheterization and intervention. Uh, the other weeks, uh, we have a TAVR program. So on Tuesdays, we do uh, valve intervention, um, uh, and that takes a whole day. Um, uh, the rest of the time, uh, we do have a couple days off. Uh, at the end of the 24-7, we get uh, Thursday, Friday off and Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and then the rest of the time is uh, pretty much clinic. Uh, I have administrative uh, responsibilities, so I do uh, quality improvement projects. Um, uh, so that's kind of the mix of what I do. For your position as, as a fellowship program director, when you're looking at at residents to accept into the program, what sorts of qualities are you looking for, for, for fellows? Um, I think, um, sort of calmness and the ability to handle acute situations, uh, in a reasonable fashion, um, you know, the ability to make critical decisions, um, in a rapid time frame, which is required. Uh, and then obviously the, uh, the manual's dexterity, the skills, the ability to manipulate catheters and put wires down arteries and cross aortic valves. Um, not everybody has that capability. So what we rely on are uh, evaluations by uh, cardiologists that uh, uh, have trained the, the candidates in general cardiology Everybody's got uh, cath lab rotations, and um, sometimes people select themselves out that they just really don't want to do this kind of thing. Uh, and then there are people that are interested, and we need to rely on their uh, attendings and mentors in their fellowship to let us know what their uh, dexterity and manual skills are. Yeah, interesting. How how important do you think it is to to actually see those skills in person. Um, obviously, elective rotations as a resident aren't, aren't very easy, but as a medical student, they are. Um, or do you, as you mentioned, rely on those evaluations really heavily? I think um, as a medical student, well, medical students have three years of, in, of internal medicine to go through before they get to cardiology. Yep. Um, and not knowing someone not spending a lot of time um, uh, with someone. We're really heavily reliant on recommendations. Um, we do interview fellows. Um, 
used to be in person. Presently, uh, <laughs> I'm sure we're going to go to in person next year. But we we spend time a significant amount of time um, with each candidate. Uh, each candidate is is interviewed by three or four of our faculty, mm-hmm. um, and then um, we meet as a committee and make selections. Yeah. It, it's always been kind of a joke uh, with some some seriousness that that candidates, surgical pan- candidates in the past have have been asked to sew things together, suture things together like like slices <laughs> of cheese. And, and that has gone out the door. Uh, how do you how do you evaluate that in person? Are, are you doing anything in person during interviews to evaluate any no, sort of skills? No, it's, it's just not possible or practical. Yeah. Um, again, we have to rely on on um, on program directors, and um, I think if uh, people are interested in interventional cardiology, uh, they probably have an opportunity to spend more time in the cath lab yeah. uh, as they get elective time, and I strongly recommend that and work with you know the cath lab director and with all the other attendings, um, and even talk with them. And, uh, you know, say, I'm interested. What do you think? Yeah. You know, can I drive a catheter? Okay. Um, I think that that uh, use the attendings as your guide. Um, and hopefully they will, you know, be honest with you and say, well, you know, <laughs> um, probably not the best thing for you, you know, um, and that could be very helpful uh, rather than, uh, you know, embarking on something that may not work out. Yeah. So to become an interventional cardiologist, four years of medical school, three years internal medicine, three years cardiology, and then and then in interventional cardiology fellowship? Yes, at least one year of interventional cardiology. And if one wants to do what we call structural work, which is TAVR and other valve procedures, mm-hmm. that's another year. Okay. Very interesting. So two years after cardiology. Yeah. And we we talked a little bit before hitting record uh, that the fellowship program that you're uh, overseeing used to be a, a quote unquote osteopathic fellowship yeah. program, uh, but with the the quote unquote merger that is that has gone away. So for the osteopathic student listening to this. In kind of the grand scheme of things, what do they need to do to overcome any sort of negative bias that may be out there among what have historically been allopathic residencies and fellowships to to get an interventional cardiology spot? I think um, because of the experience of, of uh, um, MD faculty interacting with DO programs, um, you know, it's become pretty clear that um, the quality of the people is, is very much the same. Um, I think that uh, if the, uh, the folks are in medical school, I think that difference is going to go away. Um, it has pretty much gone away already in terms of practice. Mm. Um, so I would uh, be optimistic and just um, sort of keep your eye on the ball and see what's happening, you know, in terms of ACGMB and, and, uh, and osteopathic. Yeah. Once someone finishes their interventional cardiology fellowship, are there further opportunities, whether officially accredited ACGME or not kind of more training that someone can do to subspecialize? Well, I, that's where structural training comes in. Yeah. 
um, you know, structural current structural intervention is really relatively new to interventional cardiology and um, uh, the most common procedure now that's been widely disseminated is a transcatheter aortic valve replacement. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are other technologies on the way for treatment of mitral and tricuspid valves. So I think um, a lot of people, when they finish their interventional training, uh, particularly these days, I think should consider doing another year of structure because that's really uh, in the future. Yeah. In the present and in the future. Yeah. We'll expand. Are there, are there any turf wars with cardiothoracic surgery uh, with them potentially getting involved in interventional uh, minimally invasive type work for what you're doing? Well, what's been amazing is the development of the procedure TAVR. Uh, it started as a combined multidisciplinary approach. So um, what it's done is cardiologists and cardiac surgeon work together to evaluate the patients, make a decision and then do procedures together. So there's always a cardiologist and a CT surgeon at the table. Uh, And um, I think there's a realization that everybody brings different different skills. Uh, And um, uh, it's been a real, it's been a real boom actually to to, um, strengthen the heart team. And people don't look at cardiothoracic surgery and interventional cardiology as being different anymore. Uh, We collaborate frequently, not only on valve disease, but also coronary disease. Yeah. Very interesting. What do you wish? And maybe I'll I'll narrow this question down a little bit. I typically ask, what do you wish primary care doctors know? But as an interventional cardiologist, maybe what do you wish general cardiologists knew about what what your capabilities are as an interventionalist to to take care of their patients? Maybe that they're they're trying to manage medically that would do much better with, with some intervention? Well, difficult question to answer because we work closely with our non-interventional colleagues and we have conferences. So um, I think the main area that's uh, a little fuzzy between the two of us is uh, uh, who can have a, have a stent procedure and who's better off being treated with uh, surgery or continuing medical therapy. Um, What we frequently do in terms of uh, talking about patients is um, discuss the best mode of treatment. So we look at angiograms together, um, uh, you know, to make that assessment. Yeah. That's interesting. Good. What do you know now that you wish you knew before going into interventional cardiology? (laughs) I know it was was a a few moons ago. (laughs) How many hours do you have? <laughs> What's the most important thing you think? Oh, geez. Um, I can't think of anything really negative. I've been really happy with my choice. Um, I think uh, um, knowing what the time commitment would be, and I think uh, what I would um, – Rather, what I would do differently uh, is try and make a better life balance. Mm. Um, one can get really wrapped up in interventional cardiology and miss out on a lot of things um, outside. Yeah. What do you What do you like the most about being an interventional cardiologist? 
I think the satisfaction of um, of curing uh, immediate problems. You know, we often don't cure coronary disease, but we can stop a heart attack. We can, uh, um, you know, fix a heart valve and patients immediately feel better. Um, you know, we save lives. Yeah. What do you like the least? <laughs> um, it's physically demanding. Uh, just in terms of hours and you know, you're on your feet for hours and hours uh, with wearing a lead apron. So it takes a toll. Uh, it's very, you know, it can be very fatigued uh, and hours can be long. Yeah. Do you see any major changes you, you mentioned uh, with TAVR uh, and, and other procedures that you're doing now from, from a structural standpoint? Do you see any major changes coming to the field of interventional cardiology that you think it would be important that somebody coming up through training now should be aware of to help their decision of whether or not to pursue this as a career? Well, I think it's, um, I think there are lots of potential um, uh, opportunities for uh, transcatheter treatment of valvular heart disease. Um, not only the aortic valve, but mitral valve, um, uh, even mitral valve replacement is a possibility and uh, treating tricuspid valve disease. So all those things are sort of um, in the future and are being developed. Um, there are all also uh, um, sort of repair type procedures, uh, um, sort of plugging holes in the vasculature with uh, little vascular plugs that also can be life-saving. So I think the, you know, the treatment of coronary disease has sort of leveled off. Uh, we have very good stents and there will still be progress, but uh, the major steps I think have been, been taken. We're looking forward to maybe having a bioabsorbable stent uh, so that people don't have something permanently in their arteries. Um, but I think that's that's what's coming is maybe by absorbable stents and then further um, uh, treatment of different valves. Yeah. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be an interventional cardiologist? Yeah. Any last words of wisdom for, for those listening to this, whether they're a medical school or residency or even a cardiology residency um, fellowship, rather, uh, that that you want to give those people thinking about interventional cardiology? Um, you know, follow your passion. Um, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Uh, but if that's really what you want to do, then uh, make every effort to succeed. All right, there you have it again, Dr. Edward Togart, interventional cardiologist who's been practicing for several decades now. Lots of experience to share here on the podcast with you. Hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully it shed some light on a specialty that maybe you didn't know about or didn't know a lot about and maybe opened your eyes up to a potential future career for you. I hope this was helpful. If you have any suggestions for guests, shoot me a direct message on Instagram or go post in our pre-med hangout group on Facebook, which is super active and engaging for everyone. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories. This is MedEd Media.